This week on the podcast, a little nonprofit news feed for the week of, I think it's July 27th. We're almost done with July, team. How about that? And I have Nick and I have Karisha here. Hey, folks. Hey, George. Hey, George. All right. And also, I have to know, Karisha, is this your last news feed podcast with us? It is. It's definitely a bittersweet, emotional <laughs> week that I've been having. Um, but it is. It's my last week here. Exit pod to come soon. <laughs> Exit pod to come soon. So obviously the biggest news in nonprofit this week is Krisha <laughs> moving moving on from Whole Whale. Um, so we won't, we won't dwell on too much. We'll have our exit pod. And Nick, can you kick us off with R at a glance? Sure, I can start us off. So our first story is actually an, an interesting narrative that I think is worth diving into. And that is that uh, Jeff Bezos has blasted off into space donating $200 million. So Jeff Bezos, as I'm sure all of our listeners are aware, is the CEO and founder, or former CEO and founder of Amazon and is currently the world's wealthiest human. Um, so after going to space in his capsule, that was a heavily marketed, televised, you know, press event, um, he announced a $200 million donation to the activist Van Jones and humanitarian Jose Andres. Um, the money, with no strings attached, was part of Bezos's new Courage and Civility Award. Um, and Bezos announced the award shortly after returning to Earth from a ride to space um, via Blue Origin, his spaceship company. And it uh, seems to be a lot of kind of like thoughts, you know, floating around about this. Everyone has different perspectives. Um, yeah, George and Karisha, I'd love to hear your thoughts about this, especially the, you know, the nonprofit angle, the, uh, you know, kind of space exploration angle. What are you thinking? My initial thought, my thoughts varied quite a bit on this, and I actually have to share like a longer narrative. So, you know, if you're if you're going to get angry at what I'm going to say, please wait till the very end to be properly angry with me. My initial uh, sadness about this was seeing how many organizations and social impact organizations, nonprofits, and leaders basically started in with the tack about how dare this money be spent on going to space when there are so many problems here at home. You know, people to feed. And I hear that, right? We're talking about the richest man in the world. And like, frankly, like you could be doing a lot more with your money as a narrative. What I want to be careful with is the way that sometimes you use stories to tear down others to build yourself up. And then also the danger of creating a moral equivalency of where money should be invested. Hypothetically speaking, you know, the $100 million that Bloomberg's giving to arts could be better spent for, let's just be honest, malaria treatment. You'd save more lives in a utilitarian argument. How dare Bloomberg in this narrative, mind you, in this narrative, how dare Bloomberg be giving this much money to arts when you should be helping uh, actually uh, malaria because half a million people die every single year or the number of people that are hungry. So this higher order of like what, like frankly, going into space as an individual citizen question mark. However, the technology and jobs are still very real. He didn't take a bunch of money and throw it into space, generated a ton of jobs, and also may have inspired a generation of folks where he and that, you know, made astronauts or depending on your definition of, you know, the oldest and the youngest person ever to go to space. Like that may have an inspirational 
artistic element to it, as well as obviously the the investment in technology uh, that is going to potentially bring back more resources far, far off in in the future. Uh, I will say though, like coming back down to earth and then saying like, thanks for paying all of this does put that mind of like, we might, might want to think twice about taxes. Um, a lot of narrative there, but those are some thoughts on it. And just, Karisha, what do you, what do you feel here? Yeah, I think I would veer a little bit away from the equivalency narrative, not necessarily thinking that Bezos could have allocated X billion dollars from space to world hunger or whatever kind of service nonprofit industry you're kind of thinking of. Um, but I think it does kind of follow a narrative that of critique that people have had of Bezos for a while, which is kind of this man like um, accumulating all of this wealth without being taxed properly for it, right? Because that's kind of what it all comes down to. This man is taxed at a higher rate than probably, or at a lower rate than I am, than maybe you are, than maybe people listening to are, and yet has so much money. So if this man was taxed at a rate that kind of the average person is, then maybe that money could be allocated to the government where that money could be allocated in grants or fundings that could be given to these nonprofits and could solve world hunger in a sense. In theory, of course, you know, the way that the government is set up is kind of a whole different situation. But I think that's kind of the first step, right, of having this money allocated to be able to go to grants, fundings and nonprofits. I think the other kind of issue with it is kind of the the morality or the ethics of the way that Bezos has accumulated his money. Um, you kind of hear day after day the really horrible working conditions that Amazon warehouse workers are in. Um, and these are the people who are, you know, getting us our packages in a day, like six hours after I order it. Um, but yet they have 15 minute breaks in these huge warehouses. Um, and to thank these workers, the people who buy them um, after he blasted off into space for a couple minutes and came back is also very obnoxious. Um, but I think this kind of space adventure is just kind of the precipice of all of the critique that people have been having. And it kind of, it creates the narrative of this one-to-one. -one, but I think if you look a little deeper, it's kind of a thread line of critique that people have been having of Je Jeff Bezos and his wealth for a long time. I think that was super helpful. You kind of hear this, uh, the whole ecosystem of, of narratives, but you know, he is the tallest poppy. He is the lightning rod, but the byproduct, let's just say it like, you know, if you were to hold a bunch of billionaires up there and like really scrutinize what they're doing, like I could show you a few giga yachts that probably don't need to be built and islands in Fiji where certain people that may have founded Google are hiding out, uh, as opposed to creating a ton of new jobs and sending aspirations to space and technology that will absolutely be used. We can't tell how necessarily right now, but have long-term impacts. I think there are better and worse ways, but I just come back to this. If you are building up your organization's communications by tearing others down, you're not building a sturdy foundation and it makes me nervous. But yeah, we should probably be taxing billionaires a touch more because I think even with a higher tax, he probably still could have funded his little, his escapade to space. He definitely could. Oh my. <laughs> anyway, thanks for indulging us. What else do we have, Nick? Sure. Thanks guys for that, that conversation. Um, 
Our, our next headline story is that a new report on trust in civil society has been released. The report published by the organization Independent Sector finds that trust in institutions overall is declining across America. No surprise there. Um, and that nonprofits and philanthropic organizations are not necessarily immune from this trend. And while overall trust remains high in the sector, um, Residents with lower income, lower education levels, and those who live in rural communities contributed to the downward trick, uh, tick in trust in nonprofits and philanthropic organizations. Also to note, Gen Z has exhibited decreased metrics um, of trust when it comes to these institutions. And I think that this is kind of an interesting trend uh, to, to watch, particularly for the, the nonprofit and philanthropic space because I think that some organizations have pivoted to like a digital first, like an engagement kind of trust building model much more quickly than others. And I think that particularly for folks in my generation, you know, might be a little bit more distrustful of, you know, long established philanthropic organizations with lots and lots of money. Like we want to see them kind of come into the 21st century, um, you know, fund missions and impact that that makes sense to us. Um, so it's kind of an interesting conversation. And I think that um, organizations, particularly professionals who work in development, fundraising, communication, and marketing, um, should kind of heed these trends and see how they can rebuild uh, trust in institutions, even those that are, you know, long established. Yeah, trust is a, is a sort of almost a heuristic on how people are feeling based on, you know, a recency bias or, uh, you know, peak endpoints as media have, you know, categorized various news. I mean, ironically, we're talking about various news articles. Some are positive, some are negative, and that can impact all of this. But what's interesting is it's the consistency it's done. And overall, they're talking about how it has dropped from sort of, do you trust X to do what is right? One of the questions, uh, do you trust X to do what is right? Meant from in 2020, 47% to down to 45%. So there's like a this drop there. I think some of the maybe questions around political narratives could easily have driven that moving out of a very contentious uh, period of time uh, with, uh, you know, funding and politics and, and, and the circus that occurred. But on the plus side, confidence in nonprofits, um, as by percentage, uh, was at 84%. 84% are confident in nonprofits to help strengthen society. I think that's a positive note. And in the past, I don't have, and I haven't gotten the full insight here, that uh, nonprofits traditionally outperform the other major pillars of government, of media, and corporations. So overall trust may be declining, but, you know, we're still like, you know, I, the one-eyed king in the land of the blind here sometimes. And that's powerful. And that's powerful when you write content. It's powerful when you, you put out stories and communications, especially in a time with misinformation and, uh, and using the, uh, the confidence and trust people have in nonprofits, as we say, for many, uh, many points here to uh, promote narratives that, uh, that increase the, the public benefit. Absolutely. I think trust in Congress is hovering around 8%. So uh, <laughs> good job, nonprofits. Yeah. All right, uh, Carisha, what do we have on our, on our summaries? Yeah, quite a 
quite a few interesting headlines this week. The first one reads, Your Shot Texas boots vaccinations with nonprofit grant money. Um, this is coming from Austin, Texas. The Your Shot Texas uh, organization, or I guess uh, fund, is um, run by the Episcopal Health Foundation, and it's focused on getting equitable access um, for people to get the vaccine, the COVID vaccine. Um, and they have been giving out more money to organizations to increase access to the COVID-19 vaccines. Statewide, uh, the philanthropic effort has already invested more than $400,000 in 12 organizations to battle hesitancy and make sure communities hit hardest can get vaccinated. Um, and this has looked like a bunch of different things, um, like creating brochures for uh, older folks um, who may not be as computer savvy to know exactly how to set up an appointment um, and how to uh, kind of navigate the internet in that way. It also looks like hiring outreach people who can really do the on the ground work. Um, so that's some exciting things, especially as in recent days, the Delta variant has pushed the COVID-19 positivity rate to 10% in Texas compared with less than 3% a month ago. Um, so some really great stuff happening in Texas by the Episcopal Health Foundation. It's as though they're using their trust in the community to promote a healthy benefit. Hmm. I like it. What else do we have? <laughs> Who would have thought? Uh, our next headline reads, Bloomberg to fund tech upgrades for the arts. Um, and this is exactly what it says. Um, Bloomberg is giving a bunch more money, um, almost 50 cultural nonprofits access to $30 million for strategic improvements to technology infrastructure through a commitment from Bloomberg Philanthropies. This article is coming from the nonprofit Times through a digital accelerator program that Bloomberg is starting um, with an initial cohort of 46 nonprofits, 26 in the US and 20 in the UK. They will be uh, focusing on helping arts organizations invest in tools and trainings to uh, move into a more digital age with COVID. A lot of arts and cultural organizations have kind of taken a pretty big blow um, because in-person things have stopped. But this uh, digital accelerator program is focused on keeping those digital doors open um, and finding uh -huh. new ways a to billionaire market spending money in a way that we approve of here. Um, an well. interesting, <laughs> I couldn't resist. I'm sorry, Grisha. A recent survey, though, uh, dovetails here with the Knight Foundation, where they found that 60% of museums lacked a digital plan for the future. And guess what? Like, we need museums. Museums are an important store of historical wealth and culture. And frankly, it's, you know, it's weird to say, but like, you know, museums of the future may be, uh, you know, organizations that are in charge of protecting and collecting digital representations of pieces of our cultural history that shouldn't be forgotten because it's part of our experience. I, you know, as a, as somebody who's long tech and impact, I love this investment. Could have gone to space though. Could have gone to space. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so happy you said it. I, felt I was going like to say, maybe we'll see a, um, an oh, NFT museum to come. Or at least an IRL. Um, well, we'll see. Maybe Bloomberg is investing in NFTs. You never know. You never know. 
Um, our next headline reads, Red Cross signals blood emergency with lack of donations. We've kind of had this story before where we've seen that um, there's really been a lack of blood donations and thus a lack of blood uh, for patients, especially those that are being hospitalized. And with the rise of more COVID variants, um, more people are being hospitalized. We've also seen um, kind of an, uh, an expedition, if you will, I think that's the word, expedited uh illnesses that people have um, as a result of not going into the hospital when they really needed to. And as a result, when um, they maybe got COVID, those uh, symptoms and diseases were exasperated. Exas What's the word? They were increased. Exasperated? Yeah. Exasperated? Yeah. <laughs> no. Ex oh my gosh. Nick, help us. Exacerbated? You got it. Yes. Exacerbated. <laughs> Thus, I'm leaving that in. I'm not cutting any of this. And those people really need more blood transfusions, and they're finding that there's less and less access to that, especially in the summer months when people are going on vacation and maybe not around as much. Um, so the Red Cross is really looking for blood, um, and more particularly type O blood. So if you know your blood type, go donate. Yeah, it's a great summary that. there. You see it. We're seeing it a lot. Hopefully, if you are in and around it, you can use it both as a, a narrative for getting donors, but also financial donors, right? Blood donors and dollar donors to, to help that initiative because there's a lot of downstream negative impacts in, in hospitals and people in critical condition uh, that absolutely will, will need that uh, surplus of blood. Yeah, and we'll probably see it even more as time goes on. Um, more stories to mm. come. Our last headline reads, a nonprofit flowers... Uh, carry meaning at the Tokyo Olympics. Um, I thought this was a pretty heartwarming story. Sorry, Nick, if I'm stealing your thunder a little bit, but um, the flowers are, this is from NPR.org, and it takes a look at the flowers for Olympic medalists uh, during the Tokyo Olympics. Um, these flowers kind of have a lot of meaning, especially to symbolize uh, Japan in the rising uh, of devastating earthquakes and tsunamis, especially in 2011, which left about 20,000 people um, having passed or missing. Homes were swept away and whole areas were really deserted. Um, so there are three flowers, each with a different meaning. I really don't think I can pronounce the name of these flowers, but I'll give it a shot. It says Eustomus from Fukushima. Um, also sunflowers from Miyagi and gentians from Iwate. And all of these are really to commemorate um, people who have passed or are missing um, from some of those more devastating uh, disasters there. Yeah. And the the nonprofit narrative there is that it was a nonprofit growing those, we'll go with Eustomas there, um, an attempt to jumpstart the economy um, there after post-Fukushima uh, recovery effort. And it was a practical agricultural option. And, you know, I think it's, it's great when you see during the Olympics, the ability to pull up uh, pull up local economies and and highlight both the the memories, but also economic viabilities of areas. All right, Nick, that was a pretty feel good story. But what do you have on the feel good stories? Sure, George, I got a great feel good story for you. Um, this one is about a nonprofit called Grace and Cakes. And the idea is that it works with local bakers to give cakes to kids in the foster care system. Um, the organization was started by Lisa Rep, who herself was a survivor of the Columbine shooting. And she's created an organization to work with local bakeries to provide really high quality, fun, exciting artisanal cakes to kids within the foster care system. And um, 
you know, kids within foster care, that's, that's a tough life, you know, and um, having someone give a cake that really exemplifies, you know, the time and, and care for the person. Um, these are really extravagant, individual, fun cakes, um, I think is just a really uh, awesome way for, for someone to give back to the community. So just wanted to shout out uh, a cool story about cakes. Um, yeah, this is a sweet one. Pun intended. Pun intended. You can find links to these stories at nonprofitnewsfeed.com, where we send out weekly helpful emails of a summary of news from the best sector. Thank you, Carisha. Thank you, Nick. Thanks, George. Thanks, George. This has been Using the Whole Whale podcast. If you want to keep learning more about these topics and others, head on over to wholewhale.com university to keep learning with us. Thanks, as always, to gregthomasmusic.org for his tunes that underwrite our tracks. They're fantastic. Hope you're doing well, Greg. And just a reminder, subscribes really help us on any platform that you listen to us on. Please give a thought to click and subscribe and maybe even a comment because we like hearing from you. 